Hi, I'm Will Schwalbe, and this is But That's Another Story. People often ask me how I discover new books and figure out what I want to read next. I use most of the usual tricks you might expect, asking friends and family, librarians, and my local booksellers. But one of my favorite ways involves a bit more serendipity and clumsiness. It's this little rule. If you knock over a book in a bookstore, you have to buy it. That's the universe telling you that you need to read that book. A few years ago, I was in a great independent bookstore in Wellesley, Massachusetts, Wellesley Books. I just finished a reading where I told everyone about my little trick. When I stood up to leave, I heard a book thud to the floor. I reached down to see what I'd knocked over. It was a kid's book called Warrior Cats. Hard to know what the universe was trying to tell me with that one, but I'm a man of my word. I paid for the book, threw it in my knapsack, and went to meet some friends for dinner next door. It ended up being one of those dinners where my friends brought their friends, and their friends also brought their teenage daughter. We started talking about what she was reading. It was some book that we both agreed was boring. So I asked her instead to tell me the name of her favorite book, a book that changed her life, one that rocked her world. This may sound crazy, she said, but my favorite book ever is called Warrior Cats. I pulled my new copy of Warrior Cats out of my knapsack. She screamed. Oh, and by the way, I read Warrior Cats, and it kind of rocked my world too. So sometimes the universe does tell you what you need to read when you need to read it. That's also what happened to today's guest. My name is Mari Andrew, and I'm a writer and illustrator. If you spend any time on Instagram, you've likely seen Mari's drawings. Curious, whimsical illustrations that garner tens of thousands of likes and hundreds of comments. They're bright and fun and often feature a little cartoon version of Mari herself, complete with glasses and bangs. But they also often touch on heavier subjects, like heartbreak and loss. When you see her comics, you're instantly struck by the full depth of the sensitivity and creativity with which she sees the world. And that started with the book she read during her childhood in Seattle. I loved any book about resilient little girls like Matilda, Harriet the Spy, Anne of Green Gables, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. There are any any little girl who was rising above her circumstances. Those were my books. I loved them. Now, I have to talk about Harriet the Spy for a second. Yes. As those of us who uh, know and love this book, Harriet is a constant chronicler of everything mm. around her. Yes. Including secrets. Yes. Did you keep a diary? Did I keep a diary? <laughs> I kept dozens and dozens at the same time. My mom now has a whole closet in her house that is filled with my journals and diaries. I was always, always keeping track of everything, all of my thoughts, all of my feelings. I think I got my first one when I was about four. A lot of it was about why I didn't have friends, why I felt so different from other people. I couldn't figure out what was so wrong with me. 9-11 was my freshman year. And there are so many times when I would be totally consumed with 
a news story or something happening in the world. And I would look around at my high school and think, how can you guys think about prom? <laughs> I could think about something more important. Did you go to prom? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have, did you have fun? <laughs> I had a great time. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But soon, Mari found herself trading Seattle for a new city. I went to college in Chicago. I went to a very small liberal arts school in the middle of the city, which was a fantastic experience. And one of the best parts about it was that I was in this massive city. Chicago, even compared to New York, to me, feels just endless. During college, I didn't identify as a creative person really at all. I didn't think that I had the potential to be a writer because to me, a writer was something else. A writer wrote Moby Dick. A writer didn't write in journals. I also was not doing any kind of art at that time. For me, I was raised by a single mother who had to work very hard to support me. And my perception of what a responsible person did was not creative. It was very practical. And so in college, I had an internal struggle of the desire to support myself and to be very financially responsible and make a wise choice about career. And this other quieter part of me that really felt drawn to expression and creativity, but didn't really have a model for what that looked like for me and also didn't have a model of what that could look like uh, <laughs> to pay my rent. Every weekend, for fun, I would pick an L station, that's the train, and I would get off and just explore. So I'd just pick a random one. This was the time before social media, before smartphones, when discovery was a really big part of my life. Discovering records, discovering books, discovering movies. The only way that I could really do that is to go out and just explore and just find these things. And so I was at this bookstore and I found this book and I had never seen anything like it. I didn't know how to categorize it. I still don't. I don't think anyone really does. That book was The Principles of Uncertainty, an illustrated memoir by Myra Kalman. It is a very difficult book to describe because it's not really about anything, which is my one of my favorite genres of movies, TV, books, where it's really not about anything and somehow about everything. So it's a... Um, it's a woman's inner monologue about life and memories and observations. It sort of reads like a journal, but there's also parts of it that feel very intentional. Um, it's visual. It's her paintings and her photographs, photographs from her memories, a drawing that her mother did. Um, it's a collection. It's ingredients of somebody's mind. I probably read the entire book in the bookstore, um, one of those lovely afternoons where you can just sit on the floor and read whatever you want. And I just never seen anything like it. And it spoke to a part of my soul that had not yet been awakened. And uh, 
it was $25, which was like my salary for the week from the ice cream shop. <laughs> so it was a big splurge, but I had to buy it. I felt like I didn't have a choice not to. When I found this book, it was a very freeing moment for me to see that that writing, serious writing, could look different from how I had experienced it in school, especially. I remember in high school and college, I didn't, whenever I took an English class, it wasn't really focused on writing. It was reading the classics, which a lot of them didn't appeal to me. And I thought that's what you had to write to be a writer. I didn't know you could just write what you wanted. And so to read this book where this woman's giving equal weight to the death of her husband and to the beauty of a fruit bowl, I realized, wow, this is this is so unlike anything that I've ever seen before. And she just did it. She's just writing what she, she did wants. It, yeah. So did you start writing and drawing right away? No, no, it took it took a few years. After college, Mari started writing in earnest, keeping a blog as she moved around the country and the world. And Myra Kalman's work was never far from her mind. She brought her copy of The Principles of Uncertainty with her when she moved to Chile. But after Mari returned to the United States, writing alone wasn't enough during a particularly rough period. Around Valentine's Day of 2015, in one week, I went through a really um, traumatic breakup, very sudden and very complicated. And uh, within that same week, my father died unexpectedly. A couple weeks later, I had some health issues that kept me um, in my apartment for several weeks. It was a triple isolation. It was a lot of loss at once, and it prevented me from doing the things that would normally make me feel better. And so I had to find other ways to feel better. After the break, an impulse buy at Walgreens helps Mari start to feel better and has her following in the footsteps of Myra Kalman. When Mari Andrew was going through a rough time in the winter of 2015, she made it her mission to try new things. And one idea quickly rose to the top of the list. I thought, I wish I were the kind of person who just sat down and did watercolors. And it was the first time in my life I realized that is 100% within my control. I can do that. So I bought $3 watercolors uh, from <laughs> Walgreens, wow. and I just um, went to town and just drew little things that made me happy. And I think um, subconsciously, very, very influenced by Myra Kalman's work. Um, she is such a fantastic artist, but her style is very much her own. It's very loose. Um, it's not super technical. and. I think the only thing preventing me from ever doing that was that I didn't think I was a good enough artist to do art. And then I realized, if you do art, you're an artist. If you do art, you're an artist. <laughs> yeah. <That's it. laughs> yeah. 
And soon, Mari was sharing that art. Her Instagram account, the handle is by Mari Andrew, has over 700,000 followers. And with comments like, I feel your pain, and I so relate, it's not a stretch to say that Mari is doing for her readers what Myra Kalman did for her. Have you heard from readers in particular who shared stories with you about the effect your work has had on their life and any you could share? Something that's very surprising to me about the way that my work is received is that people call it very relatable. And um, because I have never really felt like I fit in anywhere, I never saw myself as relatable. I feel like that outlier. I feel like someone whose experiences are very specific and unrelatable. And it's wild to me that I'm now known for this. And that relatability brought the opportunity to work on her own illustrated memoir. Mari's new book, Am I There Yet?, takes readers through the places, both physical and emotional, that she went during her 20s. But as she finished the manuscript, Mari's journey took an unexpected detour. I was working on finishing my book, and I thought, I can really do that from anywhere. Why not Spain? (laughs) That sounds nice. So I took myself there for about three months, and I was almost done with my book. I went to go to a little town, this kind of enchanted town, and over the weekend, this disease came on. I called a doctor in the U.S. and they said, oh, you're probably just drinking too much wine and dancing and you're not getting hydrated enough. No one really knew what was going on. And it wasn't until I collapsed and couldn't walk that I went to the hospital. So it was within two days I was pretty much completely paralyzed. Mari was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome an autoimmune disease that attacked the nerves in her hands and legs. I think a lot of us have kind of wondered, what would that be like to not be able to move our limb? Maybe you sort of imagine it. The entire time it felt like a boulder was on my legs. And I would go to move my leg and it just wouldn't come with me. So it was like I had something just resting on my legs. heavy was the word that I kept um, that kept coming to mind when I tried to describe any way that I was feeling physically or emotionally heavy heavy yeah it was weird to get so close to finishing the book and then suddenly be struck by this because I was wondering if my book was even relevant to me anymore. This experience colored my entire life. Recovering from a serious illness felt as close to death as you can be without actually being dead. I have always been pretty comfortable with death. I'm very interested in spirituality and religion, and death has always been in my in my vocabulary for talking about life. And I I was very interested in 
what makes a good life? What kind of life do I want to live? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? And Myra Kalman is seems pretty obsessed with that as well. Um, but she also, I think her comfort with death and her um, her reverence of uh, of death makes her, makes her life more sacred. I think that she finds a lot more holiness in ordinary things because she knows it's not going to last forever. And a lot of people don't really know that. And like Myra Kalman, Mari continues to celebrate the beauty of those ordinary moments in her work and her life. She still likes to wander the city on weekends. That city is New York now. She'll still go into a bookstore where she can sit on the floor and spend the afternoon reading. And Mari is still finding herself bumping into the kind of little serendipitous surprises that color her world. This was my first snow of New York, of the time that I've lived here. And I love the first snow day because I think everything's a little bit magical. Everything seems a little surreal. I think people are a little nicer to each other. We're all kind of in this childlike wonderland. So I knew this was going to be a really special day. I was taking a long walk in the East Village and everyone was being so smiley and I had all these great interactions. And I just followed my whims to the McNally Jackson bookstore. And who was there but Myra Kalman selling hats? I was so stunned to see her there, but I also wasn't at all because it was such a magical day that I knew like this is the perfect day for this to happen. I paced around for about half an hour working up the courage to say hi. I decided to buy a copy of The Principles of Uncertainty even though I already have three just so I could get her to sign it and so I went up to her and I said I, I love your book so much you really influenced me would you sign my book and she said to Mari cheers Myra Kalman and then she drew a pomegranate. And little did she know that pomegranates are my life symbol and were kind of my guiding symbol when I was sick in Spain. And I said, is that a pomegranate? And she said, yeah, and there's also a potato. <laughs> she drew a little <laughs> potato. She's just so no nonsense. Do you have any idea if she knows your work? She, I'm sure she doesn't, but who cares? And when people come up to you at your book signings, what are you going to write in their books? Oh my gosh, I have to think about that. I think drawing a potato is a really good idea. I'll have to come up with something comparable. Comparable, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But That's Another Story is a production of Macmillan Podcasts. Thanks to Mari Andrew. If you want to see more of Mari's work, you can find her on Instagram at ByMariAndrew or get a copy of her book, Am I There Yet?, which comes out next week. And if you like this show, please be sure to rate and review on iTunes. It really helps others discover the program. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If there's a book that changed your life, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at anotherstory at macmillan.com. 
We'll be back with our next episode in two weeks. I'm Will Schwalbe. Thanks so much for listening.